0: The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which someone found and hid. And in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of when it was full, they drew to shore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. And so will it be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the people from the righteous, and throw them in the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, Yes. Said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. The gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, Father Phil has given you a glimpse of next week. That was next week's gospel lesson. So you can be thinking about it all week. But in the meantime, listen to today's gospel lesson. I've got this, Phil. Jesus put before the crowd another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. And just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Teach us the disciplines of patience. For to wait is often harder than to work. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it was quite sobering for me to watch the news the other night about the rock-throwing demonstrations in Jerusalem near the Temple Mount And to recognize that place, it was happening right where some of us stood this past January. Things were peaceful when we were there, thank God. Though, of course, one is always aware when one is in Israel of the underlying hostility between Palestinians and Israelis. Such hostility and tension, of course, is not restricted to the Middle East. I was just thinking yesterday of lines from a song sung by the Kingston Trio. A few of you are old enough to remember the Kingston Trio, yes. This song was actually first uh, released by the Kingston Trio nearly 60 years ago. Here's the line. The whole world is festering with unhappy souls. The French hate the Germans, the Germans hate the Poles. Italians hate Yugoslavs, South Africans hate the Dutch, and I don't like anybody very much. (laughs) Of course, the specific groups that hate one another may shift and change a bit through the decades or not, but it seems to be a constant in human history that people have trouble getting along, and we see it very dramatically right now in the political division in our own country. And the reason for such division is almost always that we're convinced that we're right, that our nationality, our ethnicity, our political viewpoint, maybe our religion is superior to others. And so we take what we think is the moral high ground. I'm right, you're wrong. And I'm ready to knock down anybody who doesn't see things as I do. And unfortunately, that seems to be particularly true of religious people. We are so often quick to embark on crusades, aren't we? And that's nothing new. Jesus dealt with it in the people of his own day. The Pharisees, who wanted to avoid associating with anyone who wasn't completely kosher, the zealots who wanted to use violence to smite the Roman foe, the self-righteous who were willing and even eager to stone a woman taken in adultery, all those who ridiculed Jesus because of associations with tax collectors and sinners and were quick to criticize and oppose almost everything he said and did. And that self-righteousness is exactly the attitude that Jesus addresses in this morning's parable. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Under cover of darkness, his enemy came and sowed weeds. The servants can't figure out where the weeds came from. We thought you planted good seed, they say. And the master replies, well, these weeds are the work of an enemy. Well, say the servants, how's about we go out and pull out all those weeds right now? And that's, our human impulse, you see. We want to pull out those weeds right now, to root out evil right now. It's what we might call the the servant's solution to the problem of evil. Go in and get rid of what's wrong. And You can almost imagine the servant's offering to make this raid with enthusiasm. People are like that. We love a good crusade, or, or we love a good witch hunt. Perhaps it's a social evil that gets us all worked up or maybe it's some group that we think is dangerous. Just let us at them. We'll take care of them, master. So what's the master's response? No. (laughs) The master's answer is a very firm no. Let both grow until the harvest and then they can be separated. The master's solution is quite different from that of the servants. Instead of an immediate attack, he advocates patience. Let both grow together until the harvest. Now, is that what the servants had in mind? No, no not at all. Do you think that they were troubled by what he said? Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. I know I'm troubled by what he said. I suppose you are too. Not just that the master doesn't approve of that solution, but that he wants us to be patient with weeds. Who wants weeds? Who wants to watch them growing day after day? That's how it is with us, though. We want things to be okay right now. We want evil vanquished, bad people out of the picture right now. We want sin and death and Illness done away with right now. And yet the master counsels patience. Why? What makes the master's solution the right solution? Well, I think the parable suggests several answers. It tells us, first of all, that we servants are not really equipped to do the weeding that we think we'd like to do. And it's hard for us to accept such limitations. But in the parable, it's there to see quite plainly, plainly. The servants, let's be honest, are completely clueless. They don't even know where those weeds came from, let alone what to do about them. The master gently points out that they're simply not able to distinguish between the wheat and the weeds. And if they go stomping through the field, pulling things up, they're going to pull up some wheat, and they're going to let some weeds grow. And isn't that how it is with us? We've got such certain opinions about things. We're so sure about what's right and wrong, but often that certainty and those opinions just mask our own ignorance and maybe prejudice. So the master says that we need to take some time, time to reflect, time to study, time to learn, time to grow in our understanding. And so the master says, no, don't go stomping through the field yanking up weeds. You're not able. And then secondly, the parable suggests that the master's perspective of time is quite different from that of the servant's. The servants see the weeds growing today and they think they must be eradicated today. The master looks ahead. He's got the long view. He looks toward the harvest. He knows that the weeds can be dealt with then much more effectively and so he can be patient. And he asks us to be patient. Now, do you think that means we should ignore evil? No. Certainly, Jesus gives us plenty of instruction about how to identify and confront evil in society or evil in the church or even evil in ourselves. But it does mean that we don't have to be so worried about immediate results. Let both grow together until the harvest. Be aware of the weeds. Concentrate on the task of nourishing and growing the wheat don't get sucked into the idea that you must solve everything in the world today. There is time. God's time. Last week in our Thursday Bible study, we were talking about confession and absolution. And I recalled one of the first experiences that I had of a Lutheran liturgy. It was uh, at a rather intimate communion service in the Yale Divinity School Chapel. There were maybe 10 or 12 students present. The celebrant was the Lutheran chaplain at Yale, and all of us students were kneeling in a circle around the altar. We had just prayed the prayer of confession, and the chaplain then came around the circle and laid his hands individually on each person's head and spoke the words of absolution. And the words that he spoke were a formula drawn from his Swedish-Lutheran tradition. I can still hear his voice speaking these words. The Almighty and merciful God grant unto you, being penitent, pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit." was those words, time for amendment of life, that so struck me. Time for amendment of life. God is patient with me and with you. He does not judge us now, today. He grants us time. Time for amendment of life. Time to turn our wandering hearts to him. God is patient. And that brings to mind the third point about the intermingling of good and evil and our difficulty in separating them. You see, it doesn't just mean that you're bad and so I've got to be patient with you. It means also that within me, within my own heart, good and evil are intermingled. You know, go back to the Kingston Trio song. All these groups that hate each other and then the singer admits that, I don't like anybody very much. See, the problem's not in others exclusively. It's in me. We heard Paul say it a couple of weeks ago in Romans 7. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. And that is how it is with all of us. And that's why the master's solution, patience, Concentration on the growth of the good is the best solution. So let me ask you this. If it were time right now, today, to pull out all the weeds, to separate the wheat from the tares, which pile would you be in? Yeah, that's a hard question. Well, I'm glad you will be there, Ray. But about me, I'm not so sure. But the gracious Master has granted us time for amendment of life. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Think for a moment about the disciples who were gathered with Jesus around the table in the upper room. Now, that was a bunch of weeds, if ever there was a bunch of weeds. One had already at that moment agreed to betray Jesus. Another would very soon deny him. The rest would desert him. And yet he gathered them around himself and called them friends. What a picture of God's patience. His patience with the evil in us. His patience with the failures in us. His patience with you and with me. And when we gather around his table, it's the same thing. We come not because all the weeds in our lives have been pulled out. Far from it. We come because he's patient with us. Far more patient than we usually are with one another. And he gives us time for amendment of life. Time during which he concentrates on our growing in him. You know... In the midst of this parable on how we deal with evil in the world, I think there's an important word on how we deal with the evil in ourselves. Because if you're like me, and I suspect you are, the weeds in your life are a great source of frustration, maybe even anger. I'm like St. Paul at that point. I get so frustrated that I can't be better, that I can't be more faithful. And in that context, maybe Jesus' word in the parable is this. Be patient with yourself. Don't concentrate so much on rooting out the weeds. Concentrate on cultivating the wheat. Now you tell me, how much good does it do to get angry about your temper? It doesn't do much good, you see. And how many times do we say, Well, I'm just going to have to stop having that temper or whatever the issue is? But it doesn't work that way. The way you control a temper is to cultivate a gentle spirit. Concentrate on the wheat, not on the weeds. That's the master's solution. Patience with others, patience with ourselves. And that doesn't mean, again, ignoring evil, either in ourselves or in others, but it means cultivating what is good and faithful and godly and letting God be the judge. It means growing in his word. It means feasting at his table, where his patience washes over us like cleansing water, and where his goodness and mercy are outpoured. It means trusting God, to correct what is wrong in the world and in our hearts. It means allowing God to be God. And that is the Master's solution for the evil in the world and for the evil in our own hearts. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.